Hello everyone, I'm Dalton Burdett. I am Ryan Warner. And we are the Movie Knights. Well, some of them. If you're listening to this, it's because you want to hear our uncensored and unfiltered thoughts and opinions about the world of movies. Um, we got some decent stories to talk about in the world of movie news today. Yeah, a lot of stuff. A lot of good stuff. First thing we're going to do, as we always do, is bring up the weekend box office report. I can already tell you Endgame came in at number one. It's going to be a while that it's going to be taken down. I think it'll be next week. Yeah, John Wick. Mm-hmm. Which would be cool. But if it yeah. doesn't, if it survives number one against John Wick, then Aladdin is getting it for sure. 100%. All right. Number one was Avengers Endgame, taking a 57% drop from last week, racking in another $63 million. I can't believe 53% is still $63 million. I know, it's crazy. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Um, Detective Pikachu came in at number two, racking in about $58 million, which was a pretty solid opening for that film. Yeah. Um, coming in third was The Hustle with $13 million, which is a little bit disappointing, considering I, I think the studio projected a little bit higher. Coming in at fourth was The Intruder, making another $7 million. And coming in fifth was Long Shot, wrecking in another six, only dropping 35% from last week. Not bad. Yeah, but it had a really weak opening, so hopefully it can stick around in the top five. Has some legs. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, because it's yeah. a really great film if you guys haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Really good. Um, yeah, are you surprised about the box office? Anything you want to add? The only thing I'm surprised about is that on the homepage of Box Office Mojo for, like, big movies, it usually has, like, comparisons. And, of course, everyone's comparing money-wise, number, numbers-wise, this movie to Star Wars The Force Awakens, domestically mm-hmm. at least. The whole time Avengers has been open, or it's, it's opened, mm-hmm. every day, every weekend, it's surpassed The Force Awakens. Today, I think, is the 17-day total on Box Office Mojo. Star Wars has higher numbers, 17 mm-hmm. days in. Yeah, no, I, I don't think Endgame is going to get in anywhere near its domestic record. No. And uh, Avatar is not a guarantee now. I think it'll happen. No. no but especially not after, not a weak weekend, yeah. but not as strong as people had thought. Yeah, and because like right now it's just shy of 2.5. I think it's like 2.48 mm-hmm. worldwide, and that's still another almost 3, 4 million that it has to make. Granted, Avatar was in theaters for 12 million, weeks, me. something like that. I don't know. It was in theaters for a while. Mm-hmm. I know that. Avengers is in its third weekend. That's and true. And it's already in its second all-time grossing spot. That's true, but it also opened everywhere at once. Yes. Avatar would stick around, and then it would open somewhere else, and then it would continue. Uh, and then it would so open somewhere else, bump. and it would bump. Okay. Yes. Where Avengers is downhill from here. Mm, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We'll see. I mean, at first I thought it was a hard no, then I thought it was a hard yes, and now it's a hard maybe. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, I think next weekend is really going to be the determining factor, depending on how much money it makes. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, what may end up happening just from working at a movie mm. theater and like seeing how things go box yeah. office-wise is that if John Wick sells out enough, people are going to go watch Endgame. Mm-hmm. And um, the Endgame is going to be in theaters for a while because of how much money it's making. Yeah, for sure. So it, it's going to be on that random Wednesday that people will start going to Endgame more and more. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I mean, I'm definitely going to check it out a few more times. I mean, yeah. I've already seen it three times. I, I'm going to see it at least one more time. I've yeah. seen it twice already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So probably we'll five see. more times, I think, for myself. Very stoked for John Wick, though. Yes. And that's getting insane reviews. I think it's at a 98% of our Which is funny, because I thought it was going to open up to like 70%, somewhere in like low... <laughs> no, sir. Yeah, yeah. Much higher. Good for them, though. They oh, deserve yeah. it. Love that franchise. But, uh... What's up next? Right now, we're going to get into our first story. Do you remember a few years back, maybe two years ago, when Liam Neeson said, I'm done doing action movies? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, he had, uh, not true, because Liam Neeson is set to star an action thriller 
The Minuteman. This is coming to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Um, Voltage Pictures, which I've never heard of. Will, uh, I think have... they do a lot of Nick Cage movies. No, they don't. I swear to God. I hope this is a straight-to-DVD movie. I know they did Bangkok Dangerous. Oh, my God. They just did another movie that I just watched. I can't remember what it was, but it was actually a pretty decent-sized movie. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to read the details on the movie now, but the premise sounds cool. It's about a Vietnam veteran caring for a young boy being chased by the cartel. Yes. That sounds rad, but... I hope it's not straight to DVD. Um, go ahead and just give your thoughts on the premise, and I'll look up some of the information. Yeah, so as you guys may have picked up, I'm a really big Liam Neeson fan as to as far as his movies go. Like, A-Team is probably one of my favorite all-time movies, and he, of course, plays one of the leads in that movie. And I watched... I haven't seen all the Taken movies, unfortunately, but I think... I, I know I've seen one. I might have seen two. But I think he's just, like, a fun action star to watch. Like, he just... Like, not that he doesn't care, but he just... He has fun with it, and you can see it. And I thoroughly enjoy watching actors have fun with their roles. Like, Cold Pursuit, we watched earlier this year. Absolutely loved him in that. He was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And you could just see that, like, the environment he was in, he was just having fun with it. Yeah. And, uh... I looked up more of the report. It's directed by the guy who directed Trouble with the Curve. Did you ever see that movie? Never heard of it. It was a baseball movie with Clint Eastwood in it and Justin Timberlake and Amy Adams. Oh, odd cast. It it was a cute little movie, and it was fine. So I'm curious to see his skill set for this particular film. Mm -hmm. But from what I I think it's going to either premiere at Cannes or it's being shopped around at Cannes. So, yeah. For next year or for this year? For this year. It's going to be premiered at Cannes. I think so. I think that's what it says. So they already have it made that's that's oh i think they're either shopping around the like the rights to it oh for someone to pick it up yeah okay 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 so that That means that means clearly they're looking for theatrical distribution or you know a streaming platform sure they they don't want to go straight to blu-ray yeah but uh but yeah i'm looking forward to it just based off the premise and hopefully it gets a nice theatrical release if not um if it goes on netflix i'll watch it or hulu whatever but Yeah. yeah Cartel chasing after a boy, and he's a Vietnam veteran. That's gonna be uh, be very fun, very action packed. Like just just from that description alone, it's gonna be action packed, which I'm very very excited for. It's gonna be the bee's knees, the cat's pajamas, cat's pajamas, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, next is a sort of a sad story. Um, Alvin Sargent, I think it's pronounced Sargent, um, is a legendary screenwriter, famous for writing movies such as Paper Moon. What about Bob? He was a credited writer on all. He of wrote S- What about Bob? Yep, I love that movie. And he's a credited writer on all of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies. He's credited what? A credited writer on all of them. Oh wow! And uh, he wrote a movie called Ordinary People, which I'm going to get into in a second. But um, he has passed away at the age of 92. Hell of a life. Look at those fucking writing credits, man. Yeah. Crazy, and uh, it's unfortunate to hear about his passing. You know, I love the Spider-Man trilogy. I, you know, What about Bob is a very good movie. But uh, I'm going to talk about Ordinary People, just because I, uh, it might seem wrong me using his death to highlight that film, but I, I want to talk about the film now that you know we have an occasion to bring it up. Yeah. But um, before I get into my talking about that movie, do you have anything that you want to say about his passing? Um, I mean, it's unfortunate whenever anyone dies, but 92 is a uh, very long life, and he definitely did a lot of work, and definitely uh, was very busy with his life, you know having those credited to his name. Um, I can't speak for ordinary people. Was it? Mm -hmm. 
But what about what about Bob? I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I thought that movie was phenomenal, both the writing, the story, everything about that. And of course, that's all coming from his mind. And then, of course, the Sam Raimi trilogy. Love it. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not familiar with a whole lot of his work, but um, it's always unfortunate whenever someone passes. Yeah. And uh, a testament to his, how what, what a great writer he is is the film Ordinary People, which I believe came out in 1970. And it won the Best Picture Oscar that year. And uh, I believe Robert Redford won Best Director, too. It's directed by Robert Redford. Yeah, look, look all that up for me when you can. But um, Robert Redford uh, actually directed the film, and it, it's, a, it's an extraordinary movie. Um, it, the premise of it is about a family who kind of gets torn apart because they have two siblings, about our age, maybe a little bit older, and the favorite child dies in a boating accident. And the one that's left is the non-favorite child to the mother. The father kind of loves them both equally, but the mother really, really loved the other son. And it is just emotionally wrecking him that the mother clearly wishes he had been the one who had passed away in that accident. And it's a heart-wrenching movie, and it deals with mental health. And it's like early in 1970, it deals with mental health and just the seriousness of the importance of having a family and wanting to love. Like pretty much the arc, the whole movie for the main character is he just wants his mom to love him. And this movie is extremely well made. And I think it's a movie that would be ripe for a really good remake if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Just because that story is still relevant. You can even modernize some of the themes or some of the character traits in the film mm-hmm. to fit that relative time gap. But um, it's an extraordinary movie. And if anyone has never seen the movie Ordinary People, it is absolutely fantastic. And I don't know where you can find it. I doubt it's streaming. But I highly, highly recommend Ordinary People. And watch it for the memory of Alvin Sargent. And just such a phenomenal screenwriter and such a phenomenal film. Yeah, no, after you giving the description of the movie, I remember us talking about that movie, and it was something I'm very interested in seeing. I just can't remember the title. But it actually did win four Oscars. It yeah. won Best Picture, um, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, mm-hmm. Best Director, which was yeah. Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. And then he did win Best... Um, best Writing Based yeah. from Another Medium. Best Adapted Screenplay. So... And it had two other nominations, which were actress and actor, both... No, actress was in a leading role, actor was in another supporting role. So, yeah. it must be a stacked, well-done mm-hmm. movie through and through, it, so... It's it's a phenomenal film. It's probably one of... I have, like, a hundred movies in my top ten, and it's it, that's probably one of them. Yeah. Struggles of being a film fan, man. Struggles of being a film fan. But, uh, yeah. that was a story that you brought up right before the show started... Yeah, right before the show started, I was scrolling around on Twitter and found this very, very intriguing article that The Hollywood Reporter put out. Mm -hmm. Um, The title, or the headline for the article is, George Clooney advised Ben Affleck not to play Batman. As we all know, know, George Clooney played Batman and Batman and Robin in Mm -hmm. 1997. Um, Received a lot of backlash, some... Was it, it killed comic book movies for a, a hot yeah, minute there. Yeah. Got a lot of backlash. Mm-hmm. And it was almost ten years before another Batman movie was even touched. Yeah. Eight, eight years. And it was probably a while before George Clooney was really taken seriously, right? Um, I think 2007 the, was when Good Night and Good Luck came out, or 2005. And that's when, because he directed that film, and mm-hmm. that's when people really... Saw so almost, not quite ten years, but like eight years, nine years. Yeah, yeah. So almost a whole decade before he was really taken seriously again, which mm-hmm. is... I mean, I mean, he had a good role in between there, but that sure. was like the, you know, like hey, this George is, Clooney, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is very unfortunate um, that 
you know, film fans can be very toxic and the film community can be very toxic. The, the film industry can too. Yeah. That's kind of what hurt Batman and Robin. Yeah, but basically, like, what the article is saying is that um, George Clooney and Ben Affleck worked on Argo together, mm-hmm. which Ben Affleck directed and starred in and George Clooney produced it. Mm-hmm. And whenever Ben Affleck was taking this role, George Clooney was like, hey, just, I advise against it, you know you're not only taking on a role but you're t- you're taking on a whole film like mm-hmm. you you become batman when you people, become someone people so iconic see you as the responsibility of the film that you're in exactly so i wanted to kind of get your thoughts on you know this whole idea of taking on a role and then bearing the weight of the whole film whenever you're just an actor taking a job mm-hmm. like what what are kind of your thoughts and opinions on whether it's this scenario or anything else you may see or anything like that. You know, and it's a great um, story and point that you bring up. But uh, I think that it's unfortunate when actors are seen as the like the be-all, end-all in a film and they're either blamed or given the credit for the film's success or failure. Because um, a lot of the times it's an actor who either A, needs the money, or B, just really, really, like, has an like integral connection to the character that they're going to be playing and they really want to take on this role and do it justice and sometimes it's a bit of both and sometimes it's greed you know there's several reasons as to why yeah, experimentation yeah and um part, part of the reason that uh people feel this way about movies like batman v superman with characters like batman is because you know they've grown up with that character they've been reading comics since the 1930s they've been you know watching cartoons seeing adam west years of this character that they feel like they have a sense of ownership over that character mm-hmm. like like don't please don't mess up the thing that i love so much and that helped me you know and you see this with star wars you see it with marvel dc and there are several and um if the pokemon franchise continues to be successful you'll see it with that too yeah you, we've already seen it with sonic which we discussed last week yeah and uh i think that um it's unfortunate to see but i understand how it happens i understand why it happens and it's unfortunate. And I think part of the reason, another like factor as to why this keeps happening, is because of the high salary and high standard actors are, are that that's put on actors by Hollywood. Because mm-hmm. if you ask me, I think actors are undeniably overpaid. Like no one should be paid in the millions of dollars to act in a film. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be paid well. They should be because acting is not easy. It's a whole mental process. It takes years of training. Like good actors. Yeah. And you know it's and I and but the, but that's many jobs. That's what that's what going to school is. That's what practicing is. And not every job is going to get you that much money. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't even get a job that's in your degree. Yeah. So I do think actors should be paid well and compensated well and benefited well. But it's ridiculous how much they're paid. And then they're what really drives up the budgets of blockbuster films is just paying the people in them. And you know that's a lot of pressure and a lot of spotlight and a lot of liability put into a human being. Mm-hmm. And not, actors are already pretty, not mentally unstable, but mentally vulnerable because they sometimes have to put themselves in that place for a role regardless. Mm-hmm. So when they get back into the real world and they have to deal with the ramifications of a role that they play that they worked really hard in bringing to life, sometimes physically, like Ben Affleck worked out months and looked unbelievable for his age, like for that role. Just regardless, not even yeah. for his age. And that physical transformation, the mental transformation of playing someone as dark and depressed as Bruce Wayne, going through months of filming just to have your film open 
and be completely demolished. Now, gr- thankfully, and even George Clooney said he was great, and even all the bad reviews of the film are like, Affleck was wonderful in that movie. Mm-hmm. That still has to hurt to know that you put all your heart and soul into this, and then people see you as part of the thing that failed. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really unfortunate thing, and I don't think it's something that should happen, but I'm not surprised that it happens with the pressure put on them by both the audience and the industry. So that, that's yeah. probably my, just my overall thoughts on that whole concept. Yeah, no, I, I agree that, I mean, I think actors are paid too much mm-hmm. for films. While, like, I agree they should be well compensated for their time, mm-hmm. their effort. They have mm-hmm. to go through different, um, like, they have to mentally prepare themselves, physically yeah. prepare themselves. Like, they have to go the whole nine yards. But as far as fans looking at actors taking on the film, I think that's stupid. And it, like, they just need to change the way that they look at films. Because actors work on movies for the least amount of time. Yeah, that's true. Directors are there through the editing process. Mm Mm-hmm through pre-production, post-production, mm-hmm. like they're there through the whole thing. Producers, some producers are more hands-on like Kevin yeah. Feige, some mm-hmm. just kind of like you know, do do your thing. Mm-hmm. Actors work on it the least amount of time, but and they're paid the, the most. They're paid the most and fans and people, producers, everyone expects these people to carry the weight of the whole yeah. film and, and whenever like, it, it could a, be a writing problem. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they could be given terrible lines mm-hmm. and you're like oh their acting sucks not it always was the writing so, i mean sometimes it is but sometimes yeah. you have an actor just trying their and it's amazing it's fascinating to watch movies where actors are giving their heart and soul mm-hmm. into a, a performance but the writing and the direction is so bad you're just like god i feel bad they're really yeah. trying here and because uh, i haven't seen the film so i can't speak for it personally but that's what i've heard about the intruder and dennis quaid okay i've heard that dennis quaid knows exactly what movies he's in and is giving the performance like that the role deserves, but everyone else around him is just not up to par. Yeah. And that happens sometimes, and it's unfortunate. It is. And and, and, and the fact that, you know, you brought it up, like, that expectation and pressure is on them. So that's another thing that they have to bear mentally, because yeah. they probably, I mean, today's day and age, they probably know, if I'm going to pick up the role of Superman, everyone is going to view me as mm. Superman, yeah. so I have this, like, mm-hmm. bar that I have to at least at least mm-hmm. get to mm-hmm. but would like to surpass yeah. so that's why they have to like give everything they can into it and that's why i feel like i'll bring this up for example jared leto's joker mm-hmm. everyone trashed it mm-hmm. why don't we see more of it let's just let him do his thing because he knows that he is the next joker after heath ledger he won mm-hmm. an oscar for it so it's going to be hard to to match that yeah so why don't you just and, give it your all and a lot of what the problem people had with that was the character itself which i mean i understand why Warner brothers just wanted to go in a completely different direction because you don't want to try and copy heath ledger yeah of course and you know and i do think that they gave leto a, a little bit too much of creative freedom and as an actor sometimes you can just do whatever comes to your head mm-hmm. and and he's a phenomenal actor i love him oscar winning actor yeah and i think that there are parts of his joker performance that i really enjoyed but a couple things to figure out one the story was different when he signed up. Mm-hmm. Two, there's many scenes that were cut that involve him. And three, he did exactly what he was told to do. Yeah. And, and it's it's not like he like went off... Yeah, he was given a little bit of freedom in terms of his mannerisms, but 
that type of character, the mm-hmm. lines, everything that that Joker did and its relevance in the story, he had no control over. Yeah, of course. And and I I, I, I want to see him play it again, honestly. Yeah. But, you know, I'm really excited for Joaquin Phoenix's as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I would like to see Leto take one more crack at the role. And, and and that's a good example you bring up of just that pressure put on that, put on that guy to, like... Because he knows... I'm going to get compared to Heath Ledger. Yeah. And, and, as soon as he signed that contract, yep. he knew he was going to get compared from day one, the second it was announced. Yeah. And, and it's unfortunate because he's not, in, he, the roles are dra- drastically different, not only in terms of the films that they're in, but just the type of character they're playing. Yeah. And yeah. And there's so many more examples of that. Like another one mm-hmm. that comes to mind is fan four stick. Like mm-hmm. as awful as that movie is, it's not miles Teller's fault. Nope. It's not, I can't, um, Michael B. Jordan's fault. Like yeah. it's none of their faults. I thought their performances were good for what they were given, but that comes down to the writing yeah. and the direction mm-hmm. and the studio behind it. Like, mm-hmm. it's a whole chain of events before you yeah. really get to the actors, I feel, anyways. Because yeah. a studio and a director can put pressure on an actor and be like, no, this is how it's getting done, this is how it's going to be. And they can still give a good performance like that, but if there's so many other things that are wrong with it, the acting is gonna fall off naturally because yeah. you don't have everything else glued mm-hmm. together yeah and funny thing about fan four stick is i actually got to speak with miles teller about it because mm-hmm. um, we graduated from the same high school we're not f- friends but we talked like twice and we did exchange emails once which was cool yeah no but um well i was at an event and he asked i'm not going to share what he said he asked not to but he kind of got to talk and tell his side of the story of what went on there and and you could tell it was just one of those things where it's like he knew he was in that situation of like this is not going to go well. Yeah, and it was heartbreaking for him because his the Fantastic Four he mentioned was his dad's favorite comic book, and he got to play a fucking superhero. Yeah, so he was like, it was he a, got to play Mister Fantastic. Yeah, he's like it was a heartbreaking thing to go through, but he he was kind of hinting like on set he was like, yeah, it wasn't wasn't good, you know, like you could like they he he did not have a good time basically, yeah. and uh, it was sad and unfortunate, but mm-hmm. and I and you know that he felt that pressure. As soon as he took on the role, yeah, right, right, before even filming, and that's why people are skeptical of taking big roles like this. It's like you know, the life changing money, the life changing fame, and it's like, yeah, but now, if um, a guy in a random Netflix show gets busted for weed, it's nothing. If Henry Cavill gets busted for weed, Superman smokes marijuana, and yeah, and it's, it's, a not, whole, it's no longer Henry Cavill. It's a you whole are Superman. Thing. Yeah, so it's. It's literally giving up whatever, because actors already don't have much of a private life, and it's giving yeah. up whatever was left of it. Mm-hmm. Which is funny enough, because this segues perfectly into a documentary I just watched. Yes, please talk about that. So I just watched a movie called, or a documentary called Becoming Bond, which is a Hulu original, so I highly, highly, highly recommend everyone to watch this. Mm-hmm. It is about the life of George Lazenby, which is the most recent uh franchise spotlight video we did yes on her majesty's secret service Mm -hmm. which i thought wasn't a bad movie and part of my criticism towards that movie was that george lazenby just didn't work for me as bond Mm -hmm. i had seen other bond movies like i wasn't comparing him to sean connery by any sense of the imagination Mm -hmm. but he just like something wasn't working for me Mm -hmm. so i watched this documentary after or a few days ago rather yeah and it completely changed my view on him and part of the reason why he only did one Bond movie, and he says it in the documentary, he says that when he was given the contract to sign on for six more films, so he was originally going to do seven movies, whenever he was going to sign the contract, he read through it, and it said, you have to do this in your life, you cannot do this, avoid this, avoid this, you have to look like this, and he had a beard at the time, 
for the premiere, and the producers were like, don't show up to the premiere with a beard, because Bond doesn't have a beard. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the whole mentality of, like, if you take on such an iconic role, you become that person. And he, he basically said, no, F that. I'm going to be George Lazenby, because I'm not playing Bond anymore. Like, my we wrapped filming months ago. Yeah. I'm now George Lazenby. I'm no longer Bond. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the struggle that people deal with now. Like, Henry Cavill is still Superman. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck is still being called Batman. Yeah. Even though he has said, I'm no longer Batman. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a He's shame. He's Batman until they announce who the next Batman is. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's just a shame that people get, like, not typecasted, but, like... It's a shame that people are expected to live a certain way because of a role that they've played. Yes, exactly. When that is just a job they're taking on Mm -hmm. for that period, once that movie is out, everyone sees it, they are then themselves. Like, Henry Cavill is Henry Cavill right now. Ben Affleck is Ben Affleck. And and there are some actors who, and granted, I think part of the reason he got away with this is because of how good he is at his craft. But um, I think uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, back when he was still acting, he'd make like a movie every three years. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's because, one, he was always in character when they shot. For, like, a period of months, he wouldn't even be himself. Yeah. Which is horrifying. But then, after that, as soon as it was over, he was Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. For, like, a year and a half. Two years. And yeah. then he'd play another role. And I think that his approach probably has something to do with him realizing, like, yo, I can't go project to project like that and just, you know, be in this mental state and mm-hmm. have this pressure put on me. And he, he was just kind of like, I'm going to be myself for a little bit. Yeah. And then... He'd go back into a role and just fucking nail it. He's such a phenomenal actor. Mm. We could do a whole podcast on Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But it's just something that I feel, like, really passionate about. Like, yeah. Like, be yourself. Like, mm. don't... Like, easy for me to say, who the fuck am I, you know? Yeah. Like, mm. just, like... It, it, it annoys me that people are like, oh, Ben Affleck gets busted... Ben Affleck has a back tattoo, or uh, Batman has a back tattoo. Yeah, or Batman, Ben Affleck has a yeah, back tattoo, yeah. not ba- Batman. Or Batman's in rehab. That that one really, because yeah. like, you no know, wonder why so many stars are in rehab and you know, um, therapy and all these things is because of this pressure that's put on them. And it's all the media and their like social the life is being presented in front yeah. of cameras, in front of everyone. Yeah, the paparazzi just keep mm-hmm. getting them and getting them, and it's like, yeah. oh no, it's. Batman doing this, Batman doing this. No, he was Batman in BVS and yeah. Injustice. Yeah, yeah. No, no, and I remember Ben Affleck posted a video on his Instagram, and it was him, and the other caption was, I'm just trying to take my kids to church. And it was him getting out of a car at a Boston church, and it was just paparazzi around the entrance. Oh, my God. And he's just like, I'm just trying to go to church with my kids. Yeah, like, and let it, him live his life. Yeah, and, and but I mean, and uh, we use Ben Affleck as an example, but it, it's several, several stars. It's anyone taking on a major role. Going on to our last thing for today, uh, we both saw Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Or Pokemon Detective Pikachu, I guess is what it's actually called. Yeah. Um, we'll go ahead and give a brief review of that because we're a little bit over time. Mm-hmm. But uh, go ahead and give your thoughts on Detective... English. Go ahead and give your thoughts on Detective Pikachu and then I'll throw mine in there. Yeah, so I grew up playing all the Pokemon games and watching the shows and movies. Like I was a huge Pokemon fan growing up. So, naturally, whenever they announced Detective Pikachu, I was even more excited. Whenever they announced Ryan Reynolds was Detective Pikachu, I was even more excited. But, um, onto the movie itself. Phenomenal movie. Absolutely loved it. Very predictable story. But I don't think that took away anything from the movie, because I think they had to kind of go the predictable route. 
because video game adaptations to movies are not good. Like, I couldn't even tell you another one that was good. Doom starring The Rock. Um, (laughs) But it was just, it was awesome. It was visceral. It looked beautiful. The CG, the Pokemon looked real. Like, like this world they built looked real and authentic, and it looked phenomenal. And just the opening scene of showing the world, I was I was blown away by it and how good it looked. Um, the only thing I will say that I... It, it didn't hinder the movie in any way for me, but it would have been cool to see is, like, a Pokemon battle. They had, like, fights. Like a... Like the equivalent of me hitting you and then running away is, like, what they had in the movie, which is fine, but it would have been cool to see a little bit more, um, but it was, I, I had so much fun watching this movie, I actually watched it again today, um, for the second time, so, thoroughly enjoyed that movie, a lot of fun, predictable story, great movie. What about you? It's alright, like, I, I, I didn't love it. I don't think it's a bad. I don't think it's a horrible film, but you know, I, I didn't grow up with Pokemon as much as you did. I'm, I'm a casual Pokemon fan. Mm-hmm. The only thing I really have a connection to as a child was the anime movies that they did. Mm-hmm. I liked those, and um, I, I had friends who collected Pokemon cards, but not necessarily me. Mm-hmm. But um, as a film, I think the script is horrible. I think, like you said, the story. I don't really care about predictability. That doesn't bother me. But I thought the story was just weak. Okay. I thought that the dialogue was awful mm-hmm. for a lot of it. Um, but the thing that sort of transcends this over that is the dynamic between Ryan Reynolds and Justice Smith, mm-hmm. who I don't even really like as an actor, but I think he did okay in this film. Yeah. And no, I, I agree with that. He just did okay. I, I think as soon as Ryan Reynolds came into the movie, it completely just took off for me. Um, the direction was very, was pretty well done. The CGI was phenomenal. Like, I was genuinely shocked by how good the CGI was in the film. And Oscar? Maybe nomination. <laughs> I mean, we'll just have to see. Yeah. But, um... I mean, Christopher Robin got a nomination, and the CG yeah. was very similar. Yeah, and the CG was great in that movie, too. Um, it all just depends on what else comes out. Yeah, of course. But, uh, I think that, uh... With, um... Everything else going on in that film, uh... I, it was... To me, it was similar to Venom. Okay. And that I don't like the script of Venom. I didn't like the direction of Venom. I think it has some cool action scenes. But the dynamic between Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy, awesome. And whenever they're interacting, like Venom and Eddie Brock, you're fine. You're in it. Mm-hmm. Although I give this movie a slight edge over Venom. I'm going to give Pokemon Detective Pikachu a B-. Just because it is more fun than Venom. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that dynamic between Ryan Reynolds and Justice Smith is really awe-inspiring. To see, like how invested I ought, like I just became into the movie whenever yeah. they interacted because literally whenever they were off screen or it slowed down for a second I was just like oh my god like like get them back on the screen yeah like I genuinely dislike the rest of the film mm-hmm. but um not as much as Venom because I think that this movie has better direction than Venom has. okay and I, I don't normally like to compare movies when I do yeah, reviews but I just wanted to kind of like I just like thinking of like how I felt similarly about a movie and Venom was just the closest one to my mind. But yeah. Yeah, no, I, I actually rated this movie four and a half stars. So Damn. quite yeah, quite really the contrary to you. Yeah, yeah. But um I I mean I, I agree with you. I thought Justice Smith was just mm-hmm. okay until Ryan Reynolds came on and then he was better. Mm-hmm. Not 
Yeah. His performance didn't blow my socks off or anything. But, but he, he bounced off of Ryan very well. Very well. And my God, there is a scene where he tries to cry. It is awful. Like, he cannot pull a tear out. And not even... not Because not, making yourself cry is one thing. But, like, yeah. he couldn't even tear up. Mm-hmm. But it's like... Like, that just kind of shows the mm-hmm. extent of his acting abilities. Yeah. Which, again, who the fuck am I to yeah. tell him? Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I, I agree with you. Like, I'm just using that as an example of, like, yeah, yeah. his acting mm-hmm. capabilities. Yeah. It just... It didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. But Ryan Reynolds was phenomenal as Pikachu. Very cute. I would die for Detective Pikachu. <laughs> but, yeah. So that, that pretty much wraps up our show today, man. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you're listening on SoundCloud and iTunes, we thank you. But we also encourage you to listen on YouTube at youtube.com slash movie nights. Please subscribe to the channel and follow us on Facebook at movie nights and Instagram and Twitter at nights underscore movie. And um, also, we want to thank the Podcast City Network for hosting us and continuing to share our content. We really appreciate you guys. And is there anything else you want to add, Ryan? Be cool. All right. Uh, you can tune in on Thursdays for Franchise Spotlight and extra special videos on Saturdays. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Later.